welcome to Bound by Books. I am one of your hosts, Danielle Bannister, and joining me today is fellow writer, Tina Moss. Welcome, Tina! <laughs> I love that you always have, like, the game show intro. It's like, come on now! <laughs> You're the next contestant on Bound by Books! I'm really regretting the fact that I just kind of waved my arms, though, because then you see, like, the jiggle... I'm, oh I'm, no! I'm having oh. to work on the arms now. I'm realizing the arms are. You're good. Like, You're are good. sorely lacking in the workout routine. <laughs> <laughs> well, other oh. than your workout routine, how are you doing? Ah, uh, you know, I am doing well. I'm doing well. Started a new day job, and I finally sort of feel like after a few months, I kind of know what I'm doing now for the nice. most part. So you know, that's that's always hard when you're when you're starting a new job, especially something that you've never ever done before you just feel like a fish out of water you feel like you're more of a thorn in somebody's (laughs) side because you're like how do I do this what did you yeah so I'm I'm asking a lot less questions these days so I'm feeling more (laughs) more more confident in what I'm supposed to be doing what about you it's new with you I had a, a busy weekend we had um uh, pool party at oh, my nice. uh, father-in-law and his girlfriend's house. It was lovely, and then we had my family over on on the Sunday. So I'm I'm a little beat up. <laughs> family is great, but they're also exhausted. Exactly. No, we had a really good time, and everybody was great. But it's just it's tiring hosting too, because then you have you know all all the cleanup and all the prep work beforehand and so. the sun drains you quite, the you know sun the, i am not built for the sun like if you're on youtube you can understand it's, it's yeah not happening i yeah. mean I'm looking, I'm looking a little orange today we were trying to figure that out before but it's just the lighting <laughs> in here i'm not in my office i got my virtual background so right right it's fine it's you're normally fine. just as pale as i am it's fine <laughs> exactly. it's fine it's fine exactly. but i also heard you have um I think as of this podcast going up, you will have your new release this week. I will. Uh, it, it releases on August 9th. So, That's exciting. Yeah. Volume three. Of wow. Volumes four and five will release shortly, but volume three is dropping. And, you know, it's it's been an experience doing my first ever uh, series, a novella series. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a yeah. lot of work trying to to prep and plan for something like that. So, you know, I think we've we've done a couple of podcasts on, you know, writing series. So if that's something that you've yep. ever been considering, check that out. You can uh, learn from our mistakes. Yeah, we've, we've definitely <laughs> done a couple avoid. on those. Yeah, but that's so exciting. Congrats. Yeah. And you just had a recent release yourself, did you not? I did. I did. So I think it will be last week or the week before. It's uh, Aliens Temptation, this one up here uh right over my shoulder in my my virtual background um yeah one of the it's... many naked men chest covers. <laughs> yes one of the alien men chest <laughs> um yeah so it's book three and I have I think six planned for this series but then there's like three spinoff series so I'm going to be writing writing this for a while ain't nothing wrong with that ain't nope. nothing wrong with that nope I'm Look, enjoying we're not it. talking about series <laughs> well not really not in that sense today you and I, uh, since we last recorded, Marvel. you and I, a- another sort of Marvel movie has dropped. And mm-hmm. as the two MCU fans <laughs> in our podcast groups 
we, we are the ones to, to speak about the movies as they come out. We like to reflect upon them in terms of, of their writing, things that, that we can learn from what they got right, and even things that maybe they didn't get right, you know? So it's a learning experience, I think, when you're watching such a huge, successful franchise. What are they doing right? So mm-hmm. that we can sort of emulate that. And then also, what are they doing wrong? So we don't emulate <laughs> that. So I think it's safe to say that you, what we're going to be talking about Thor Love and Thunder today, our last podcast, we talked about the multiverse of madness. So if you missed that one, go back and check that out because we had some thoughts on that one. A lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings. A lot of thoughts. <laughs> and I don't think I, you and I really haven't chatted much about Thor Love and Thunder. So I'm no. not quite sure what your take is on that. But uh, before we dive a little bit too deep, into the actual movie i'm just i have a a general curiosity Mm -hmm. we've started this phase four this this multiverse saga is what they're going to be calling it right there's still lots more content to to shape up this phase four how do you think phase four is shaping up for you so far with the projects that they have out so far so i think Phase four feels to me like a lot of experimentation, which is very exciting for Marvel because Marvel has had a tried and true formula for so long. And there is a lot to say about sticking to that formula and what works, right? But there is also something to say for experimenting and kind of getting out of the box that you've put yourself in. And I feel like Marvel's phase four is very, very much about doing that. So from that perspective, it's very exciting. From a fan who's used to the kind of marvel-esque formula there is also a danger in disappointing your fan base or losing part of your fan base for me personally i like a lot of the directions that marvel's going in i like how they're testing new waters trying to gain new demographics of marvel fans who you know weren't really a part of the mcu before i think this um, Miss Marvel is a good example of trying to get a younger generation, a more diverse generation in, which is awesome. Uh, even if the show like isn't personally for me, it's not for my demographic. I feel like anytime you can bring in a new audience is a good thing. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about it for the most part. I really like the, the things that they're doing and trying and testing the waters. I might not like all of it from a, film fan perspective but like, i appreciate it from artistic perspective what about you sure sure no you you have a very very valid uh point there that that they are i think they're trying to keep some of the the main thrust but they are experimenting a lot i think one of the things they're experimenting a lot with is director freedom they're yes. really allowing i think their directors to have much more control and freedom over it i think kevin's sort of backing off a little bit not right. being so over the shoulder which might account for some of the the reasons that some are saying it doesn't feel right because it's not what they're used to it's not Mm -hmm. it's not the formula right they're breaking out of the formula it's sort of the formula but they're messing with it's like new coke it's the same (laughs) product but it tastes different and you know so it's it, it, it takes some getting used to, but I think you're right. There is a danger in not experimenting with it and it can get stale and flat like a flat Coke. Um, and you don't want that. So it, I think, I think you're right. I think they're, they're trying to find what's that right balance of 
letting the directors really put their thumbprint on a project and making sure that the vision, the overall vision is still in place because so many of these projects are connected. It's not your typical sort of movie where the director is, (laughs) you know, the be all end all. There's, there's other factors at play. So, so with that as a a sort of a segue, Mm -hmm. let's talk now about Thor Love and Thunder, the only product so far, product, project so far (laughs) that has four, one superhero that has four movies. I'm sure we'll see more of that as we go on, but Thor is the first one to have four movies. Yep. What was your experience uh, going to this movie? Did it did did you have high expectations? Did they meet them? What were your, I guess, overall thoughts? Definitely had high expectations after Ragnarok because Ragnarok yeah. is kind of like, I mean, it's got to be up there in top five yeah. of Marvel movies for me. Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's a peak. It's a pinnacle. It's, uh, you know, I love the kind of campy Flash Gordon-esque vibes yes. of it. Yes. It still had a pr- solid storyline and emotional yes. impact behind it. And I yep. think this was trying to do that but yes. it's my overall take is a bit off more than it could chew. Yeah. That's what yes. I feel like in the whole movie. It was just a very vast movie in the sense we had a lot of perspectives. We had Jane, who was Mighty Thor. We had Thor. We had Valkyrie. We had the kids. We had the villain. And they all kind of had their own stories to tell. And they weren't they were woven in a way that was reminiscent of infinity war saga end game for me but because we didn't have the same backstories for each of the characters that we did in the infinity war saga movies it didn't have the same um coming together thread i think if we would have had like a valkyrie movie before this if guardians Mm -hmm. would have came out possibly before this as it was originally intended you know we had the production issues and COVID. And I know that guardians was supposed to come out before this. It might've given us a little more context. If we would have had Jane in the last Thor movie or even a Jane mighty Thor movie or, or, or TV show on its own, we just didn't have enough going into what felt like a very epic um, saga movie to me, rather than a, a Thor can't be fun movie. And they tried to do both. Right, which which didn't quite work, which puts right. us into that that tone issue that we were really talking about and why yeah. it matters so much. How did yeah. you feel going into it? Well, I was really excited because, like, <laughs> you know, I loved Ragnarok. I was yeah. like, yes, this is going to be great. I could do no wrong. It's going to be awesome. And I remember sitting in the theater and seeing like the bird alien things, mm-hmm. and I went, "Oh, oh, <laughs> we're going." in this direction mm-hmm. we're going for full-on camp and no heart mm-hmm. got it i'm less excited now i feel like they sacrificed heart for humor yeah and I, they, they tried because they i mean there is a extremely sad storylines in this movie extremely. but they don't put any weight on it there's no, no weight to that storyline. So I no. don't feel bad for Mighty Thor at all. I don't yeah. because there's no weight given to it. I feel worse for the villain and Christian Bale, by the way. Oh, I know. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yes. That was quite a performance. I was very, yes. very impressed with him. Absolutely. But I feel more weight for the villain and his story and his extremely tragic story. 
than I do for Jane, who I've known for two films. Exactly. So that's a problem. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's the nail on the head. It's, it's the tone conflict Mm -hmm. that, that really did it for me because it felt like they were trying to make two separate movies. You know, they wanted to make this goofy sort of spectacle thing, but they also wanted to introduce, you know, this epic villain and this really, you know, sad diagnosis of Jane. And it didn't work for me. And they they were too opposite. The redemptive romance also? (laughs) <laughs> like with like, oh, sure. there's also sure. this romance element. Sure, I think they wanted there to be, but I still feel zero chemistry between them. I- you didn't need it. You didn't. You actually didn't need. I I know that again, and, and we're both you know we both write romance. We, we both do. love romantic subplots, but we I almost do. felt like if they would have kept it as a friendship and as a like really respectful kind of friendship and we understood where we went in life and why things were different rather than getting them getting back together I felt like that probably would have been more impactful than the romantic relationship was I get why they did it but it didn't fit it didn't fit for the characters where they had gone in their stories plus we had this like nod to Valkyrie like Mm. give her a girlfriend man I know I know I, I, romantic subplot. I think they are so they're they're try they're pushing those boundaries right they're mm-hmm. they're you know with loki you know being fluid and then this this movie like Corp. gently <laughs> the rock, gently the touched on it. it's already getting banned in countries because Crazy. of that gentle push i mean i get why they are hesitant to push but there needs to be a push there needs to be, and if you're not going to do it, then then what's then the point of Then don't do it at all. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Don't don't, don't, don't just tip it. your hat at it because right. don't, Valkyrie... don't be like I'm I'm acknowledging. You know, <laughs> no, that's you're not you're yeah. being an ally in that way. <laughs> well, know? that was the same I felt with the, with the kid who I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure. They didn't put a label on the child, no, but it was clear that the child was either trans or non-binary or some sort of gender um, fluidity to to the yep. child. Um, but it didn't have the impact on the story that it should have. Like, if you're going to include that, that's fine, but it has there has to be something to it. It can't just be like, oh, and by the way this person is this or oh by the way this person is that because you're just too it feels performative it doesn't feel authentic to the story yeah yeah and and here's I think maybe why the tone failed and I'd I'd love to to know your thoughts on this there is talk that there is a four hour long version of this movie of all the scenes that they sort of improvised and just threw on out there to me, that lets me know that there probably wasn't much of a script, per se, if you're recording that yeah. much. And I, I feel like maybe that was a really, I think the script needed several more pass-throughs before they started filming. I almost wonder if there were just, like, beat points that they had to hit. You know, like, uh, for, for those, you know, non-writers out there listening, basically, you set up, like, a beat sheet as to different plot points that you want to hit in your in your script or in your book and I it almost feels to me like 
that was there, they hit like, okay, we yeah. got to get to, you know, Zeus's place and we got to get right. the kids kidnapped and we got to get this. But it didn't feel like a lot of that was filled in and flushed out. No. So we, we I, just kind of had this like loose Make it up. Let, trust the actors to, to make yeah. up the plot. You know what? The actors are not writers. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're I mean, some they brilliant actors. have some great lines, writers. but <laughs> the end of the day, there really needs to be. And I know Taika writes a lot of the stuff, so there mm-hmm. might have been something on the page, but did, if he followed what was on the page, it didn't feel like it. It didn't feel like there was a cohesive <laughs> story on paper. <laughs> right. And and some of it was so brilliant and, and so reminded me of Ragnarok. Like the, mm-hmm. the screaming goats, I howled. I was howl laughing in the theater. Like brilliant, brilliant from so many perspectives because I saw the little plushies out there, the little toy goats. I'm like, yep, yeah. marketing brilliance everywhere. Um, but again, like if you're going to go in, the, if you're going to have a movie where you have screaming goats that literally lets you travel through interdimensions with, you know, the, um, oh, what is, what's the axe called? What's the battle axe called? Thor's uh, Thor's axe, uh, Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker. Sorry. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> blanked out. If you're going to have goats with Stormbreaker, at the you know again guiding you into different worlds like that's not a serious film that's just not right. a serious if you're gonna have zeus be this massive jerk <laughs> right right with, and where was the nod to gladiator i kept waiting for it i kept waiting for the line but it, they didn't give it to me but anyway um yeah, it feels like if for this movie if they wanted to go as camp as they did they should not have added such serious characters like gore and the cancer diagnosis exactly those just should not have been included make it light and fluffy but then then you sort of run into well then what's the arc of this movie i don't know know. (laughs) what the arc of this movie. i mean thor one it was a pretty clear arc to me you know there's this you know arrogant boy who doesn't know how to rule sort of learning how to become a man and Mm -hmm. you know sure that's that's a that's a good arc in the second arc, you know, yeah, the script wasn't as good, but there's definitely an there's arc an there, arc. right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's losing the loss of his mother, the betrayal of his brother, you know, all of that sort of stuff is is making him grow as a character mm-hmm. and and become more. In Ragnarok, he he was fighting with his own worthiness, with his yeah. place of the throne, and you know, learning to accept his brother, flaw and all. So you know, he's growing, he's maturing. In Thor 4, I'm not sure he grew at all, except in muscle. (sighs) Okay, so two problems. Again, we get the off-page, off-screen kind of montage of him with the Guardians. And in my mind, he's gone through now these adventures with with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which are probably going to be very funny and very campy and all that. But there's my suspicion would be there was the character growth that we needed would be there and that this new Thor might make more sense if we had that and because we don't have that we skipped over any and all of those adventures to whoever this person is now that we don't know because we didn't get to see it and they didn't do enough of a, a recap of it to say like okay how did he how did he grow and change obviously he learned to have you know uh, another found family after the Avengers and 
but then he immediately loses that found family to kind of go off on his own and it's kind of this funny thing where like you know he really cares about them and and they maybe don't care about him as much or that's right. what's implied it's it's you know it's it's amusing but from a character development standpoint it doesn't really tell us anything yeah and this wasn't his movie at the end of the day this oh. this really was the villain's movie and to a lesser extent jane's movie yeah, but yeah. also not as again other than oh i now i have cancer there wasn't a lot of growth to her either no well a- any sort of growth or whatever feels like it was happening off screen things that were told to us and we didn't get to see it like why why not show us you know Milner coming together Mew Mew coming together yes why not show that moment instead of I mean like I get you wanted the grand reveal but we wanted to see that yeah <laughs> I mean I still I am still confused as to how she's connected to it no mm-hmm. idea it just called to her you know because i i think it's because he put you know he decided he whispered to it to sort of watch over her or whatever and oh you know, that okay. you know protect over it. her but it wasn't very clear it wasn't a, a strong sort of connection it would have been nice to sort of see that to maybe have it she hearing it calling to her, whatever we didn't we didn't get to see any of that you know what else we didn't right. get to see any god butchering <laughs> from this villain that's supposed to be yeah. awful at god slaying. That's a really good point. That's a real. Is he actually? You're right. I'm trying to go, think if at any point on screen we actually see him. I mean, I think he the, that that first god he takes care of, but right, you know. But and then he has his little shadowy beasts at one point, but he's not killing gods. He's killing, you know, the, the people that are fighting. We don't see him right. kill the gods like that big, huge uh, monster in the snow. Right. You get to see that. And Why what did we get to see that? What a strange kind of, you know, juxtaposition between like, again, we're going to go back to tone. Between I want to make this campy film because that's what worked in Ragnarok and that's what everybody loved. And I'm going to put this villain that is a god butcher (laughs) with a super tragic past losing his daughter in the opening scenes of the film to go on this vengeance quest. Like, this does not compute. They, Forget Thor for a second. That movies. alone doesn't compete. They don't go together. They they're, they they do not complement each other. And so they're they're competing storylines. And there's more camp storylines. So that's what you you ultimately get. But yeah, but that that's not to say that there weren't some really great moments in this movie. That whole oh, sort of sure. black and white moment on that planet where it's just oh, you know brilliant. the colors sort of surrounding the 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 fighting implements that was good there was some very beautiful beautiful. and some very funny scenes but Mm -hmm. and the funny part is even after all the things we're talking about i still liked it 
Like I still had oh, a good yeah. time. I'll watch it again, but yeah, it just I still wasn't what I wanted it to be. <laughs> right, I still enjoy the time. You know, my my friends kind of came out of it like, "What was that?" And I was like, "I don't know." And like, I don't think I liked it. I'm like, I think I did. I'm not sure. I think I did. I had a good time. Then it wasn't. You know, I'm trying to like place it in terms of like one through four, mm-hmm. and this one is sort of tied for. Yeah, it's like mm. it's either yeah, it's like third, it's like third because you know Dark World has Dark to be, yeah. has to be last. <laughs> you know what? And it's so funny. Uh, again, going, I, I hate to keep harping on it, but again, going back to tone because that is the theme of our podcast. Mm-hmm. I think about Dark World, right? Mm-hmm. Different they tone did. from the first one, but they had it. They had the tone of the movie correct. Like, if you're going to talk about just strictly tone to take out the actual, mm-hmm. you know, writing of it for a second, they had the tone correct. Like, they, if they, they called it Dark World, they wanted to go dark. Yeah. They told the story that they wanted to tell. And, and I didn't have any issues with tone in that movie. I had plenty of other issues. But as far as tone goes, they, they hit the mark that they were going for. I think the big issue was, like you said, and this is true of all four movies, is the continuity between the four is severely lacking because we get, yeah different types of movies different tones in every single film and when you're talking about a series you can't have that you can't have this you know huge divergence from from the first film second film third film fourth film so when you're writing it's really important to remember not only does your tone have to be on point in book one it has to then follow through for the rest of the series you can get perpetually in one direction, like you can yep. get perpetually darker, you can get perpetually sure. lighter, depending on what you want to do or funnier. Um, in my case, it's spicier. I keep getting, keep, I don't know how I keep getting spicier because I keep saying there's a limit to how much you can put in a 45 to 50,000 word book. <laughs> Is there though? But apparently there's not. There might not actually be because they just keep getting spicier, which I'm not complaining about. But again, you still have to have you have to strike the right balance as you're going through your series. You cannot be so completely off the mark from from book one to book four, in this case, film one to film. Well, yeah, I mean, just think about Thor as a character. Mm -hmm. Thor in the first movie compared to Thor Ragnarok compared to Thor in like Avengers Endgame Mm -hmm. compared to Thor in this one. They do not feel like the same character. Like the same character at all. No. No. And they kind of feel like they should have. I mean, you can have some growth. Obviously, you want character growth, but they feel like they were played by different actors. Mm -hmm. And they weren't. (laughs) So. And I don't think that's that's, um, Hemsworth's fault, honestly. I really don't. No, I think it's. He was directed to do these things. And yeah, it's just. When I think about it, it's so far off the mark. And you had, okay, listen, you can't keep Thor in in depressive mode forever, no, right? He can't no, be depressed no, Thor forever. No, He's got to come no. back and be the superhero because yeah, that's sure, the character. Sure. But if you don't give us that redemption story, if you don't show us how he got to, okay, I'm in this dark headspace to now I've become the superhero again, you're missing a whole story there. I think this Thor has not gone through that redemptive redemption at all. I think he is just in denial of uh, you know anything. He he feels like he is ignoring all responsibility and is like 
lost several IQ points in the process. <laughs> like, I don't, how does he get progressively less intelligent? Right. To me, he feels like he's less intelligent than when he started out. It's hard and- to say if it's less intelligent or if he just feels like a shell. Kind of just feels like yeah, a shell. Yeah, maybe car- that's like what it is. That there's, yeah, maybe that's what it is, is that there's no depth to mm-hmm. the character anymore. It feels like a caricature. Maybe that's what it is. Yes. Maybe that's what it is. Yep. Yeah. That yeah. hits the nail on it for me. Yeah, it does feel very much like a caricature of of Thor. And you could work with that. Like you could develop that as part of his healing journey is that he right. doesn't know who he is. Right. And, and he's deflecting he... with humor and you know right. denial. Sure. But you gotta but show us. You gotta show us. You gotta show us. You gotta you gotta yeah. show us all of that. And I think we get a tiny 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 bit when he's talking um uh with the guardians and he's like you know latches on to them so much and when he has to leave them it's kind of like it's a little bit of a devastating thing for right. him right um where it's where they don't really <laughs> it is funny where they don't really care right. as much and he right cares right so much so i think we get a little peek into that but like dude you gotta bust open that door you gotta show us way yeah. way more for yeah. it to be believable yep 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 yeah. All right. So what about what about Mighty Thor and Jane's journey <sighs> for you? Did did her journey, did her arc, did that did that work for you from and maybe even going back from her first introduction to the first movie into now? Has has her arc has she grown as a character? Has she changed? Has she evolved? <sighs> or is she the same as she started but just now? has cancer (laughs) okay i don't know if it's in this case it is the actor because natalie portman for me does sometimes and again this is just my opinion don't come for me but sometimes i do feel like she's a little flat like she does play characters in a similar way so that i can't always differentiate between them i think even black swan which is a brilliant movie like it's still i feel like i'm always seeing natalie portman no matter who she plays so I yep. think it's partly that, but I think it's also, again, we the, the other thing was we've had eight years in between. So that's a lot of time to not see a character and then for them to come back and, and suddenly they're, you know, in our lives again and what you've been doing that whole time. So her backstory was believable in the sense that, yeah, she would pour, pour herself into work. Yeah, she she would be that, um, you know, scientist mind and concentrated on saving the world in that way. Um, but then who is she after that? I, who is she beyond the scientist? Yeah. Could not tell you. And, you know, playing, playing the cancer card is a, is a bold card to play. I never really believed that she had cancer. I never felt that the gravity of that diagnosis with her performance. I didn't feel like she had any inkling that she you know had this awful awful thing and I think that does boil down to an actor I've never really been much of a fan of hers because I do I think she plays things flat it feels like it's phoned in it feels like she's not actually giving anything and so I had no like I couldn't make any connection with her and, and feel for her journey because right. it didn't feel earned. I didn't feel like 
And you think about that too, like writing a character who has cancer, right? Who's facing their own mortality in such a devastating way, right? There's so many facets to that journey and so many ways that you could put, you know, write that part in and as an actor play that part. But I think about the flip side of suddenly, you know, having this amazing power and suddenly having, you know, not that the cancer is gone, but you have like your old energy back and more because you've, you've taken on this superhero role. How incredible that would be but also knowing there's a time limit on it. Right. They're super heavy, you know, human emotions that we're talking about. And and I don't think we got any of it on no. screen. It did not play. I think that's what they wanted us mm-hmm. to feel that, you know, but we didn't actually see any of that. Maybe it was some of the stuff that was cut. I don't know. But we never, I never got the sense of that push and pull of, wanting to sort of feel alive and knowing that it's making things worse. And I never, right. I never got that. So, you know, spoiler alert at the end, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, didn't, I didn't shed a or... single tear. I didn't, it, 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 it felt no weight to me. And, <laughs> and there was also no play with that against the villain. There should have been <laughs> sure. like the, the hero, essentially in her case, the hero that is dying. Right against the villain that has given up everything, knowing that he has a time limit too for revenge. So she's giving up everything to, she's giving up her chance to live, again, spoiler alert, but she's giving up her chance to live in order to be this superhero, knowing there's a time limit to help Thor, whereas the villain is is giving this up to seek revenge. This is a huge, you know, conflict that should have come to a head and we should have felt the weight of those things. But again, because we didn't have the right tone, we didn't get to feel the weight of it because we had screaming goats, which yeah. were hysterical and right. like, very funny. Sure. We had Korg, who is comic relief, who, you know, becomes a face yeah. um, and has little yeah, rock. That was funny. Yeah. Like all of that's awesome, but it doesn't. We, we didn't get her why. It. We didn't get her no. reason why she was choosing to 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 become you know, Mighty Thor. Mighty Thor. We, yeah. we, we never understood why. She just did it why what what are your motivations like you know it's killing you why what is is it to help thor is it is it because you love thor is it uh, 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 we don't know we never we never really got the answer it just the movie needed mighty thor yeah that's not enough of an answer for me um knowing knowing the level of scripts that have come out of marvel Mm -hmm. this one was disappointing to me um because the the tones just clashed so much for me but again there were some really great things about this movie i will watch it again i will laugh again but those things are really like i kind of again just wish they would have made this movie as a mighty thor movie yeah right had her story her being the central character against this villain the juxtaposition would have been beautiful and then had a thor movie that was like a ragnarok sequel that was all camp and funny yeah. If you would have separated those two, we could have had two like really good films, I think. But instead, sure. mixing them together just, just kind of it was oil and oil and uh, water didn't yeah. uh, quite uh, didn't quite drive. mix the way that they should have. Just much in the same way, I think, like the introduction of of Zeus. 
We shouldn't be laughing at Zeus. I don't know. We shouldn't be laughing at Zeus. Zeus should be like the biggie, you know. We should be fearing Zeus, not laughing at him. And I mean, I just, I don't. Uh, Were you not entertained? I just, I, just, I kept waiting for the Russell Crowe moment. I'm sorry. I, I, I just, I, I was, uh, yeah. And then, you know, and so then then they're teasing, you know, these other gods in the after credits. Well, are they going to be just as campy as Zeus? Because, you know, who cares? What threat is that? You know, so they didn't give weight to these gods so that even if the god killer did come and kill them, would we care? Because (laughs) and they were horrible. They're idiots. They're, you know, yeah. I mean, I felt like that was a wasted opportunity that they could have really been intentional with that and given I mean, us a... my guess is we're gonna have thor five it's gonna be camp and it's gonna be these gods and and hopefully we'll we'll go in that direction and if that's the case okay fine i can get on board with that i can get on board with going back to camp just don't give me the the super heavy storyline if you're gonna do yeah camp. yeah that's all. i mean i think that ragnarok was a good balance of that there was a there was a lot mm-hmm. of humor but there were a lot of serious elements, but they they worked well because I think the script was better. Um, yeah. And they had, I think, better actors um, in <laughs> lifting up lifting up the story as well. So, yeah. yeah. It also yeah. shows you how much Thor needs Loki. I, yes. I hate to say it, but they're, yes. they're, the balance between the two of them and the way the actors play off of each other. His absence was felt hugely i mean mm-hmm. look is the only thing that saved the second movie mm-hmm. agree he might have been able to save this one yep which shows you the importance of an antagonist and somebody for your you know your hero to really bunt heads with and play off of and you know have that motivation for that loki and thor is a powerful combo jane would be that that was never gonna happen no that was never going to happen. No. It just doesn't have the same feeling. It doesn't have no. the same weight, the same feeling, the same, you know, uh, kind of play back and forth. It's just not, does, doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One last question for you that, mm-hmm. that it has a little bit to do with writing. Um, but, well, I guess it does. It's, 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 it's seed planting. Okay. Mm-hmm. When, when we write things, if we, if we have a grand vision in mind, we're going to be planting some seeds in early stories to sort of make a grander vision happen. Do you think the introduction of all of these younger characters in phase four is leading in up to anything? Maybe a young Avengers, maybe, maybe. This this goes back to what I was talking about before. Marvel is being smart in saying, okay, we we've, we've got our millennials. We've got our, you know, Gen Xers. Now we got to shoot for Gen Z and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. We got to get them on board because they didn't grow up with Marvel. They are. We got to go beyond the forty-year-old white men. Yep. We've got to. We've got to merge <laughs> beyond them. Because because we they don't have the same nostalgia that we do growing up with this stuff and yeah. and seeing what Marvel has become. They've only started with oh well Marvel is Marvel and that's the stuff that those old people watch essentially. So they have to hook in the younger audience. And I do think it's smart to have all of these characters in phase four. The only thing I can see is that you're going to have a danger of losing your your tried and true audience because your tried and true audience isn't necessarily going to jive 
with this new set of characters. I think they did it really well in Hawkeye mm-hmm. in getting, which which is funny to say because, you know, everybody likes to, <laughs> you know, kind of like poo-poo Hawkeye. on Hawkeye. Like Hawkeye. Poo-poo on Hawkeye is just a thing. It's like a meme. Right. No, I know. Hawkeye I was it. great. Hawkeye okay, was great. And I think they did a really good job of balancing like that family-friendly aspect, everybody could watch aspect. Um, and I think some of the newer stuff is going to be more challenging. I think Miss Marvel in particular is not going to jive with everybody, and that's okay. It doesn't have it's to. Absolutely. Well, I think one of the things that maybe uh, uh, the Miss Mar- 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 Marvel 2 or Marvel 2, mm-hmm. I don't even know what it is, I think the the pairing up with an older Avenger was missing in Miss yeah. Marvel, and so there was there was nothing sort of pulling in that that older audience. People just right. thought, oh, this is just for kids. It's only there's only really teeny boppers, and exactly. you know, so all the other ones, you know, you've got Strange and Peter, and you've got you know Hawkeye, and mm-hmm. well, I guess maybe maybe she'll be Hawkeye too. I don't know. That was sort of even in even in Thor, out. we had you know you got uh, it. Love and Thunder. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So yeah, they're they're building all of these up. Even in Winter Soldier, um, mm-hmm. Isaiah's uh, grandson. Yep. I mean, you. Yeah, I think that's that's what they've sort of been doing. Is it's almost like a babysitters club. You've got all of these yep. older characters carrying these younger ones forward, and you know maybe when they've aged up into their twenties, those yep. older characters can fade away. But in the meantime, maybe they'll have like a series of the Young Avengers because it's not as a big of a financial risk to do right. maybe a series as it would be a movie. And look, you have to you have to you have to always be thinking about who your demographic is. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to pull in this new audience, you need to do it in a way that's going to make sure you don't lose the old one and still yep. pull in the new one and do it seamlessly. And I think, like I said at the beginning, they're experimenting a lot, which is awesome. Um, some things are going to, you know, do really great and take off. And some things are going to fall by the wayside. It's just a matter of what those things are. What shakes out. Yeah. And that and that can work in your own writing as well. If you're trying to introduce something and start to go in a different direction with your writing, starting to seed those elements early on so that it's not such a, a tonal shock <laughs> when you do something different. Exactly. <laughs> well said. <laughs> little end cap there for you nice i can't i can't think of a better way to end it so i think that about does it for today huh yeah we'll all see right you next week yes have a great week everybody and see bye. you next time. bye thank you for listening to the bound by books podcast for more information about the show and all of our hosts visit our website at www.boundbybookspodcast.com and if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and leave a review.